First of all, if you're new here, my name's Fred. I'm uh, one of the pastors I'll be preaching today. Uh, I wanna say welcome. I wanna say happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Hope you have a, a great day with your families. Uh, but we do have a couple quick announcements. And while I'm giving these announcements, if you want, you can open your Bibles to 1 John chapter four. That's where we're gonna be today. Uh, we have a youth lock-in happening this summer, and we're asking the congregation to help supply some of the materials and food and stuff like that needed for the lock-in. And so uh, on the t-shirt table, there's little slips, just like we did for VBS. Uh, you can take a slip, purchase that item, bring it back in. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, today is the last day uh, for the hoagie and cookie sell for the Malawi trip coming up at the end of July. And so far we've had a great response, but if you wanted to order hoagies or cookies, please make sure you do that before you leave today. Next Sunday, your hoagies will be here. So make sure you're here uh, to pick up your hoagies. If you don't get them on Sunday, um, the staff considers that fair game throughout the week. So, um, but you can also come out Saturday. Uh, it would actually help us if you come out Saturday because we have a lot of hoagies to store. And so uh, if you wanna come by Saturday, uh, I don't know exactly what time that is gonna be available, but sometime around lunchtime, uh, we'll put that in the Facebook group so you know when to come, but you can come. We'll have a couple hour window where you can come and pick up your hoagies if you wanna get them on Saturday, and that would be very helpful. All right, let's look at 1 John chapter four together. Let me read verses one through six. I'll pray and we'll jump in together. Verse one says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is it is already in the world. Verse four, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Would you pray with me as we consider God's word this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you humbly before your word, asking that you would make known your truth, make known to us today what is profitable, what is, what is helpful for running this Christian race. Help us to be discerning in this world of many voices. Help us to know and hold to and to love the truth. Father, I pray that you would strengthen your church as we look at your word this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. John, being one of the apostles entrusted by Jesus with the message of the gospel, is writing to the church and he's, he's warning them, he's, he's exhorting them to be on the lookout for false teaching and false gospels. And he leans on the authority that was given to him by Jesus, and not just him, but to all of the apostles. They had been entrusted with this message of the kingdom. They had been entrusted with the message of salvation, and they made that message known. 
both through their preaching and also through writing it down. And so we have here uh, an account of what is true, of what, uh, of what comes from the Lord. And John, even in the first century, is already having to contend with false teaching and false gospels. The true apostles were not the only ones going around teaching things about Jesus. There were, there were others who were seeking to gain an audience, who were seeking to draw away those who were following Christ to follow after them. And so this morning, I have a simple message. So there's just three points. That doesn't mean it's a short message. You never know. Three points, could, uh, maybe an hour each point. I don't know. We'll just play it by ear. The first thing you see on the handout is this. Don't believe every messenger. It's probably, you're, you're probably aware that there are conflicting messages in the world by now, right? In fact, now, more than ever in human history, are there conflicting messages. And that is because of the advances in communication. Everybody has a platform. Anybody can create a social media account. Anybody can get their message out there. People who, a generation ago, really, would have never had their message heard, would have never had their voices heard because they didn't, have the ability to go out and gather an audience, now has an audience through the internet. And unfortunately, what's happening on the internet is some of the, let's say, um, least profitable and least helpful messages are sort of surfacing at the top. <laughs> messages that, be that before probably would have never been heard or being heard by sometimes millions of people simply because the message is so dumb that people want to talk about it and people want to point to it and say, this is why I'm not that or this is why I don't agree with that position. And so now more than ever, we need to be discerning. We need to heed the words of John here, not to believe every messenger. This is how he says it. He says in verse one, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Believers, fellow followers of Christ, we must be discerning people. We need to grow in the knowledge of the truth so that we can easily spot false teaching, so that we can easily discern what is true and good from what is false and harmful. I remember when I was a fairly new Christian and I, I discovered the joy of reading Christian books. I just, you know, I always hated reading prior to becoming a Christian. I was like, I didn't want to read. Reading was an assignment that you had to complete in school. And they never picked books I liked. But as, as I began to grow in Christ, I realized reading is an opportunity to engage with all kinds of great Christian content and to grow and to learn and to, to build myself up in the faith and, and to become uh, closer to Jesus through, through reading. 
And so I began to read Christian books. And there used to be, I'm sure a lot of you remember this because there was one in, in, the Trun, in the Trun Heights Plaza. There used to be these stores called Family Christian Stores. You remember Family Christian Stores? You go into Family Christian Stores and if you, if you wanted to if you wanted to read or to learn or to know more about Christ, you thought you'd just hit the jackpot. You walk in and you're like, look at all these books. There's, there's all kinds of material. And as a young Christian, I just assumed that if it was in the family Christian store, that it was good. I just assumed that everything that, that, that was identifying as Christian was the same and that, that I should just consume any of it. In fact, I, I, you'd walk in and you'd see massive displays of one book. You're like, wow, they have hundreds of copies of this book and it's on sale. This must be the best book in this store. It, it wasn't until I began to grow in a knowledge of the truth uh, to discern the message that God has has presented through his word that I begin to understand not everything that says it's Christian is actually good. A lot of it's not even Christian. A lot of it's actually teaching a different gospel, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit, which Paul warns against. And sometimes it's, it's not because it's the most helpful book that they have so many copies of it. Sometimes it's because they know they can move those copies and I'm not, I'm not, uh, look, I'm not standing as judge over family Christian stores. It was what it was. I mean, they're gone now, but it was what it was. It was a store. It was a business. They were selling books. But I, I learned over time to pass by those displays of attractive sounding titles and, and books that, that were being pushed pretty heavily. And I learned a lot of the good books You'd be lucky if they were even there, but you would find maybe one copy hidden on a shelf back there somewhere. And it wasn't the most popular book, but oftentimes it would be much more profitable. We are bombarded with messages. Now you don't have to go to Family Christian Store to find conflicting messages. Now you just get on social media. You get on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you use, and there are now, they don't have to publish a book and convince Family Christian Store to put up a large display. Now they can make a 45-second video and shoot a message and, and reach millions of people. And if you're like me, you see conflicting messages. This calls for discernment. Because as John says, many false prophets have gone out into the world is why is John so concerned about this idea of, of testing spirits and false prophets going out into the world? Well, he's not the only one. Jesus was also concerned. Jesus warned his followers about false teachers. Let's look at a couple of passages together. Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, why is it you don't understand that when I told you Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. It wasn't about bread. Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in bread, but, to, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is not Jesus's followers' finest moment. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why we can have confidence that when Jesus' followers wrote down an account of Jesus' life, 
that they, they weren't trying to make themselves look good because they so often look bad. Who would write a story where you're one of the main characters and you're always messing up and always screwing up? Well, Jesus' followers did. Jesus taught them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the religious teachers of the, they're the leading religious teachers of the time. And Jesus had warned them to beware of the leaven. Leaven, uh, like yeast, is uh, what is added to bread dough to make it rise, right? And it multiplies. Its strength is that it very quickly multiplies. And that's what causes the bread to rise. And, and when Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're like, oh, he's talking about bread, actual bread. Imagine being this dense <laughs> that Jesus says, beware of this leaven. And they're like, wow, Jesus really doesn't like their bread. He's, he, he's got a thing about the, the bread that the Pharisees eat. Did they, I mean, like, were they known for baking bread? How did they get, come to this conclusion? And Jesus says, I wasn't talking about bread. I was using that as an illustration that their teaching goes out and it multiplies and it spreads just like leaven. Jesus says, beware of that. And so it is today. False teaching multiplies, spreads easily. A few chapters later, Matthew 24 he warns his disciples in a similar way. He says, if anyone tells you, then see, here is the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and, and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Jesus is warning them. There's gonna be people who are trying to pull you away. There's gonna be people who are, they're gonna be convincing. The problem with false teachers and false prophets is they are convincing. And they, they are effective in winning over audiences. They are effective, effective at gaining followers. They are effective at leading astray. So be on guard. Watch out. Be discerning. It'd be nice if false teachers just had, just had a big tattoo on their forehead that said, false teacher. <laughs> but that's not how they present themselves. Jesus says some of them will do great signs and wonders. They're, they're going to win people away from the message of the gospel because their, their message is going to, to resonate with people. It's, it's going to come and be convincing this calls for discernment. It's not only Jesus who warns about false teachers, but we see Paul on several occasions warns about false teachers. Look at Acts chapter 20 with me. In Acts chapter 20, Paul, having spent a significant amount of time with the church at Ephesus, establishing this church plant, raising up elders and leaders, he's now ready to, to depart. And he gathers the elders. He gathers the leaders of the church. And this is his message to them. This is part of his message to them. Verse 28 of Acts chapter 20 says, be on guard for, you yourself, for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. 
men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert. Paul gathers his leaders. He gathers the the men that he's invested the most time in. And he says, even some of you, even some of you are gonna participate in this spreading of false teaching. He says, not only are they gonna, are, are, are threats gonna come from the outside, that's what he says. He says, after my departure, savage wolves. That's how he describes false teachers, as savage wolves, because they come in and they prey upon the vulnerable and they prey upon the flock, which he, he uses to describe the people that God has redeemed through the gospel and whom he's purchased with his blood. Savage wolves will come in among you and they not sparing the flock. They're here to destroy. They're here to do harm. Sometimes Christians get defensive of false teachers. They get defensive of their favorite false teacher that they listen to on TV or online or whatever. And well, what's the harm? They're just, they're just, they have a very positive message. They make me feel, but they're wolves, savage wolves. They are harming, they are coming to destroy God's people. And Paul warns, even from among your own number, will rise up men who distort the truth. Therefore, be on alert, he says. He tells Timothy something uh, similar in his letter to Timothy, Second uh, Timothy chapter four. He says to Timothy, who was a pastor, who was an elder, he says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come, listen to this, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers. There's the leaven. Will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. What is it that they're after? They want teachers who say what they want to hear. If, if, if the preachers that you're listening to or the teachers that you're, you're listening to never challenge your thinking, if they never confront your sinful desires, but they always just say what you wanna hear, that's a bad sign. Paul warns that men and women will turn away from hearing the truth and turn towards what he calls myths, falsehoods, bad teaching, false teaching. Jesus warns his followers about false teachers. Paul warns the church about false teachers. Peter, let me show you one more. Second Peter chapter three. Verses 15 and 18 says, also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them, 
the untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. I like what, the way Peter talks about be, be on guard because even though right now you may be in a stable position, there are, there are false teachers, there are those who are going to want to take you off of that stable position. One of, this show my, my age a little bit, there was a show when I was a kid called American Gladiators. Anybody remember American Gladiators? Okay, a couple of us, that's good, I feel better now. Um, one of the things that they had to do was they had to do this jousting thing where they'd stand on a pedestal and it was usually like, I don't wanna say normal people like me because they weren't like me. They were athletic and in shape. Um, they didn't get out of breath tying their shoes, um, but they were fairly normal people, right? And they would go up against these gladiators, these just super, you know, big, muscular uh, human beings, monsters, really, is what they were. And they would stand on this pedestal and they'd have to joust. And that's the picture that I have as, as, of Christians. And if you got knocked off, there was this big monster of a man in front of you trying to knock you off down into this like a ball pit type thing. And I'm thinking as Christians, you know, our stable position isn't all that stable if we're not careful, if we're not on alert. There are monsters, there are gladiators who oppose you, who want to knock you off of your position of stability. They want to lead you into false teaching. And oftentimes, I mean, sometimes they come in like big, scary gladiators. Oftentimes it's much more subtle, though. Oftentimes it's, uh, you know, I saw this thing. I, I think I shared this in our Facebook group, but there's this event coming to Pittsburgh. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got a lot of people that you would recognize. And I'm getting hit every day with Facebook ads. And they're coming in and they're teaching Christians how to be wealthy. That's the aim of the seminar. And they're just right out there with it. We'll just come to this seminar. And I was disappointed because it's got guys like Tim Tebow and I think Chris Tomlin and some people that are pretty influential in the church who, who, who have a, a large platform and they're using that platform not to help Christians become better disciples, but to help them become more successful in the world's eyes. That's somewhat subtle if you're not discerning, but this is, this is what's going on in the world around us that we are, we are not just up against those who just outright hate God and oppose the gospel, but we're up against and we're, we're being tempted to be led astray by subtle distortions of the gospel. Be on alert. Don't believe every messenger. The next thing you see on the handout, and I joked about the length of this message, these last two points will be much shorter as <laughs> to set your minds at ease. The second thing you see on the handout is this. Instead, test their message. It's okay. It's, it's not just okay. It's necessary to test the message of those whom you're following, those whom you're listening to. 
test my message. Anybody that comes on this stage and preaches the word of God, don't, don't just take it all in without discernment, but test it. Verse two, we're back in 1 John chapter four, our main text for today. In verse two, he says, this is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. John is putting forth a, a test, and it's, it's you know, we're, we're not sure exactly what's going on in the churches that John is writing to. Perhaps he's addressing a specific false teaching. Uh, because you can't, you, can't, you can't simplify testing the message of every false messenger by this one test. I think he's putting forth an example. Test the content of their message. Compare it to the gospel that has been passed down from the apostles to the church through the word of God. And if this, if this message is teaching something about Jesus that is contrary to that message, that's a bad gospel. Run from it. Test the message to see if it lines up with the word of God. Galatians chapter one, Paul, Paul's writing to a church that has ticked him off. <laughs> Paul's mad. This is a church that he had invested in, that he had poured in, and many of them have been too far too easily led astray into believing a false gospel. And he writes, he says in Galatians 1, verse six, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, okay, Paul in the first century he and the other apostles have been directly entrusted with the gospel message from Jesus himself to go and to teach this gospel message throughout the earth. He says, even if we, the apostles, the ones who, 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 who received this message from Jesus himself, even if we or an angel from heaven, do you get the point? Paul's saying there's, there's like, there's nobody that you should listen to that if they come and preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. Paul is not on the fence about whether or not he has already preached the correct gospel. He knows. He calls for a curse to come upon him or upon anybody else that would preach a contrary gospel. As we have said before, verse nine, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. That's bad news for a lot of men and women who are preaching different gospels today, who have distorted the gospel to be about attaining wealth, to be about attaining health and prosperity or longevity on the earth. These are distortions of the gospel. 
They do not align with the gospel that Jesus gave to his apostles. They do not align with the gospel that we see here in the word of God. Paul says, let them be cursed. That's how passionate he is about this. And rightfully so. Jesus is even more passionate about this. It's sad to see churches open the doors to allow people to come in and and to speak these kinds of false gospels. In fact, a a few weeks ago, I watched an online service of a church that, um, I don't wanna say too many details because I don't wanna lead people to speculate about who I'm talking about because that's not important. Let's just say I saw a church. They brought in a prophet. They brought in a man who identifies himself as a prophet. And he and his wife came in and they spent the entire Sunday morning service prophesying over individual people in the church. Every prophecy that they gave was an incredible, incredible prophecy of prosperity. Everybody in there, God was about to do amazing things in their lives. Now, I would love to see that happen, but it would literally be the first time in human history that such a small group of people would be so blessed by God. Hey, everybody was getting a spiritual promotion. Pastor, you're gonna be an apostle. Pastor, this, this church is gonna be so, God's gonna bring so many people into the church, you're gonna need multiple services. This is a church that's been dying for 20 years. It's a church that's got probably 200 seats in it and about 40 people. And, I, and listen, they've been doing this for years. I, I know the, the church well. They've been bringing in prophets and every time a prophet comes in, God's about to bring revival. Literally, they've been doing that for like 40 years. God's about to bring revival. God's about to bring, you're not gonna, you don't have enough seats in here. You're gonna need a bigger building. And they would prophesy over people. Brother, you're, you're gonna become independently wealthy. You're about to become a millionaire. They're gonna call you a millionaire. That's, that's crazy talk. That's a false gospel. He would bring children forward. Listen, I know I have friends who grew up in this kind of false teaching and many of them, it wrecked their faith because the foundation of their faith was built upon false prophets and false teaching and they, they, to them, the, the church was about that kind of nonsense. And when none of it came true, because none of it comes true, they lose faith in God. This is the danger of false prophets. We need to be on guard against this. I never hear, I never hear one of these prophets who come into church say, brother, you're about to get diagnosed with stage four cancer. Brother, you're about to find out your wife has been having an affair. Why don't they ever say that? It's, listen, it's much more likely that one of those two scenarios is gonna happen than you're gonna become a millionaire. Why, why do we keep falling for this as a church? Why do we allow these people to come in? Why do we pay them money to come and pray upon the people of God like this? That's not the gospel. We must test their message. Just because they say, just because somebody says they're a man or a woman of God, just because somebody says they're a prophet or they're a teacher or they're a pastor or they're an apostle, test their message. 
Also, we must test their audience. The last thing you'll see on the handout. Test their audience. This is interesting where John takes this. He, 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 he moves on from testing their message and he says, look at their audience. So let me show you this in verse four. You are from God, little children, and you, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Now, generally speaking, for a pastor or a particular church or a denomination to say, if they listen to us, they're from God. If they don't listen to us, they're not from God, is not a a great strategy. But we're talking, John is referring to the apostolic message He's referring to the message that was entrusted to the men who walked with Jesus. And he has great certainty that that he can stand up and say, if you believe that message, you're from God and you're with God. If you reject that message, you're not from God. You're from the world. And he he says, "If, if the audience that they have gathered is the church, If the audience that they have gathered looks like the people that Jesus came to create on the earth, then that is the fruit of a message from God. But if they are creating followers who look like the world, if they are creating followers who are obsessed with the same things that the world is obsessed with, prosperity, health, longevity, fame, that is not from God. So look at their audience. Who's excited about their message? That's a good way to begin to discern good teaching from bad teaching. Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Sheep's clothing, you won't, they won't be easy to spot outwardly. You're gonna have to dig a little bit. You'll recognize them by their fruit. That's, that's similar to what John is saying and test their audience. What's the fruit of their ministry? What's the fruit of their message? Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The answer is obviously no. In the same way, every good tree pro- excuse me, <coughs> produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. All right, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Brothers and sisters, be on guard. Put to the test. Don't just take everything in that says it's a Christian message. Just because they mention Jesus or God or the Bible, we've gotta be discerning. We have to be wise. We live in a world full of false gospels, false messages, false teachers. And that's not, it's not okay to just let that enter into our lives, into our minds, and into our church without testing it. 
That's a good way to shipwreck your faith. It's a good way to shipwreck your life and your obedience to Christ is by going after false teaching. So be discerning, be on guard, and be alert. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we want to be faithful to you, we, we want to adhere closely to the word that has been passed down I pray for discernment. I pray that we would be wise in this world of many voices. I pray that we would be wise in this world where, where, where people, just like they were 2,000 years ago, are preying upon the flock. Savage wolves, often dressed in sheep's clothing. Give us wisdom. Help us to be people of your word. Help us to be people who dig in and know the truth so that when falsehoods come, we easily spot them. Grow us into maturity in this way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.